a new series we're starting today, Still Standing, Still Standing. And um, I'm really excited about the standing. I, I, I get a real sense that it's a word in season, it's a series in season from God for us. Um, and I'm excited about what he's going to do. I did a little bit of research and I found that, uh, if you know better, correct me, not now, but later, correct me. But I, I went and looked at some tereo, and um, the word fakayo, fakayo, uh, means to stand firm, stand firm. And I thought, it's a, it's a great word that kind of carries the connotations of what we're trying to say in this series, that we stand firm. So I'm, I'm kicking it off today, and then uh, the way we sort of planned the, the series is that Every speaker, nothing scripted, so to speak. Every speaker, we're just expecting they're going to bring revelation from the Holy Spirit, uh, word and season of what right. needs to be, you know, addressed at the time. And we're going to work our way through it, and it could last for six weeks or six months. And um, I remember, was it the book of John we were going to do over six weeks, and it took like three years or something. Anyway, that's what happens, eh? And that's good. You just go with the flow. And uh, so it'll last as long as it lasts. So don't paint too fast, Oscar, because, you know, otherwise you might be doing... 20 paintings, which is fine, yeah. Actually, we could auction them off. Maybe that's, where, that's how we could raise the funds we need for the buildings and stuff, the, the paintings. Can I have the next picture, please, Nicole? Thank you. Recently. <laughs> Recently, I got a speeding ticket. This is like the day of confessions. It's cathartic. Actually, I'm still really ticked off about it. So uh, recently I've got a speeding... I'll tell you why I'm ticked off about it. Because I was driving in an area I'm not used to. I was in the middle of nowhere in the country. There were no speed signs. They pulled me over for doing 95. Even my car told me that the speed, the speed was 100. And, and they gave me a ticket. 95 kilometres an hour in an 80 area. They change the speed limit. They never told me. <laughs> Which I personally think is quite unfair. I was driving very conservatively for myself. And I, there's a reputation that I speed. Let me just tell you, I don't speed. I just don't go under. I don't go over. And I don't slow down for corners. <laughs> I, I just, but I don't speed. Um, and you probably shouldn't drive that way if you're a young driver. It's just bad old habits, old men. And... Anyway, they gave me a ticket. They sent me a ticket, which I'm still arguing about in the mail. So, in the email with them, because I think it's grossly unfair that they send me a ticket for doing 95 in an 80 area when there's no signs on the road in the middle of nowhere saying that it's an 80k and even my car tells me that I'm doing 100. Fair? But here's the bottom line. I haven't finished writing to them yet, so there's still hope. But the bottom line is, my, my naivety doesn't protect me. It just doesn't. My, my naivety doesn't prepare me for that sick feeling in your stomach when you come around the corner and doo, 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 doo. it's like, oh, come on. The worst part was I just left Tuaco. I just finished preaching. <laughs> so I had to be really nice, which you would all be as well. And my naivety doesn't pardon me. It doesn't. The law is the law. 
And whether I agree with what it said or not, whether I think it was fair or not, reality trumps naivety. And it's exactly the same with the laws of God and with spiritual laws. You can put your head in the sand like an ostrich all you like, but it doesn't change the fact that reality is reality. And the law is the law. And I'm not talking about the Mosaic law. I'm talking about the law as in the principles of God, the, 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 the boundaries that he gives us to live within and the way things operate. Oh, but that can't be true because I didn't understand that. It doesn't matter. It's still true. Whether we understand it or not, it's still true. And so um, it's kind of like being an ostrich with your head in the ground, but there's someone right behind you ready to, you know? You got your head in the sand, you don't see it. It's still going to happen. And so naivety is not an excuse. So this morning, I guess, as I kick off the series Still Standing, what I want to do is remove any sense of naivety. Okay? Like real, the basic blocks. Uh, As I go on, if if you're really new to your faith, I've tried to prepare at a level where I, I hope most of us will get it, but if you're really new to your fa- to, to the faith, to Christianity, I've probably assumed some level of background understanding, and if you're sitting there going, I've got no clue what this guy is going on about, this is hopeless, please bring it up in your small group, in your Activate group, or talk to someone you know or trust and say, please tell me what he's talking about, because I've got no idea. I think you're far better to do that than just to leave having no idea, okay? My aim is not to confuse you, um, but I, I do have to assume that there is some, some base level of understanding. So anyway, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to spend our time primarily today, uh, from verses 10 through to 18. And um, it is clear. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness, show for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will know um, you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers. That picture of the armor is a Roman centurion. The picture of a Roman centurion and all the stuff they've got on to protect them in the battle. We're not going into that today. We may go into it sometime, but we'll see. Can I go to the next slide, please, Nicole? Uh, What do you see? But is it? Hear some mumbling. Some of you ain't even looking forward. No, there's nothing hidden there. I, I know. I know the deeply spiritual ones are going like for a spiritual answer. 
The real pragmatic ones are just going like it's empty. The truth is that room is actually full. I am not saying you can't fit more in it, but it's full of atmosphere, isn't it? Full of atmosphere. The Earth's atmosphere is composed of about 78% uh, nitrogen, 21% oxygen, 0.9% argon, 0.1% other gases like carbon dioxide, methane, water vapour and neon, etc. The room's full. You just can't see it. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Hey, it just means you can't see it. Simply means that my naivety or my lack of understanding or my inability to physically see or perceive something does not change the fact of whether something is real or not. It just means that I can't see it. Whether I agree with it or not, if the atmosphere in this room changed, I don't know if it needs to change significantly or a little bit, I'm not a scientist, but if it changed somewhat, all I know is it's going to be catastrophic for me. If the atmosphere in this room changed somewhat, it would be catastrophic for all of us. It wouldn't work anymore. But we can't see it. The point being, the fact that I cannot see it doesn't change the fact that it's real. And Ephesians says, the unseen world. Whether you can see it or not does not change the fact of its reality. Yeah. Now, if I was in a, um, you know, in a different country, I wouldn't even need to spell that out, would I? But in New Zealand, in the West, we, we, need, we kind of, we quite black and white on stuff like that. It needs to be spelt out. Just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. The great news, of course, is wherever there is a spiritual problem or a uh, situation, there is a spiritual solution for it as well. And so, so when I read Ephesians 6.12, you know, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies against evil rulers, authorities, unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It can be a little bit scary because you go, well, hang on, I can't see that. But is that a reality? And it it, it looks like to me that that sounds like it's fairly well organized and fairly well purposed to do something. I just can't see it with my natural eye. So let's break down for a moment those four levels just to, to help us. Principalities or evil rulers in other translations, thought to be high-ranking spiritual entities that are often associated with governing regions, nations, and people groups. Interesting, it's why you can look at a whole petrol people group sometimes and see a trait there that we may say is cultural, and it may be cultural, but it may also be spiritual yeah. influence. Yeah. The powers or the authorities, they possess certain levels of authority and control in spiritual realms. Again, they shape things. They influence things. Romans 8, 38, 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears nor for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Colossians 1.16, for through him God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. 
such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. In the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. Next level, rulers of the darkness of this age, or mighty powers. Now, these could represent spiritual forces, again, that influence and manipulate the world's systems, cultures, ideals. But, but they're always pulling away from God's truth. Always. Always pulling. There's an agenda. Always pulling away from God's truth. You see stuff happening. You see stuff shifting in the culture that pulls away from God's ideals. And we can very easily look at people and go, point the finger. But there's spiritual powers and authorities, mighty powers that are working behind the scenes in the invisible realm to pull away from God's truth. Maybe next time before you bag your favourite politician, you should pray for them. Hey, maybe before you go, oh, they're this, that and the other thing, you go, I wonder what powers are working behind the scenes here to manipulate a situation. John 12, the time of judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. The last level, spiritual, probably the one that, you know, deal with more uh, in some senses, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places or evil spirits in the heavenly places, bodiless spirits. Um, evil spirits being the ones who operate in opposition to the creator, uh, to God creating chaos and confusion. The voices in your ear. The ones that manipulate situations in your life. The ones that, you know, it's not always a figment of your imagination. Sometimes it's a, a demoniac, a demonic power uh, being. The lies of the devil, the lies of the enemy to get you off track, to pull you away from truth, to cause chaos and confusion in your world. Ephesians 2.2, 2, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. 1 John 5.19, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one makes it very, very clear. The good news is that when you gave your life to Christ, we became, uh, Philippians 3.20, citizens of heaven, right. where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. That's good news. So I'm not under that world. I'm not under the authority of that world that's been led and, and obeying the devil, you know, or the world around me that isn't under the control of the evil one, because I'm not part of that world. I might be living in it, but I'm not part of it. I'm a citizen of heaven. If you've given your life to Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a citizen of heaven. That is good news. That gives you hope right there. It says, okay, I'm not subject to that. I can live in this. Of course, unless I choose to live in this. Age-old question, can a Christian have a demon? Of course, you can have anything you want. let you think about that one <laughs> again the good news is spiritual problems have spiritual solutions but, but first before we go to the solutions there is a tendency to respond to the first part with fear all oh, these powers I can't see them they're at work they're around they're doing yeah yeah but but fear is the wrong response 
as a disciple of Jesus. Just painting the picture of the reality of the situation. Don't put your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend it doesn't exist because it does. Painting the reality of that. But fear is a wrong response because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, but God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. He hasn't, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Of course, also to be informed is to be forearmed. We're not, we're not just, it's good to be informed is to be forearmed. And the purpose of the knowledge, of knowledge is that we, you, me, the end of the day, stand firm. That's the point of Ephesians, that we stand firm. Despite might, what might come at us, what injustice, what spiritual powers might ever crack, stand firm. And we'll stand firm by not being naive. If I had had clear instructions that the road I was on when I got my little infringement notice was 80 kilometers an hour, I would have been empowered to choose how I was going to drive on that road. I still could have gone at 95 and I would have paid the consequences of 95, but I would have been empowered to also drive at whatever the limit was now on that road. And my naivety, I just heard a baby crying and I know it's one of my granddaughters. That's so cool. I love that sound. That's so cool. That's so cool. Anyway, back on track. Sorry, where was I? Naivety doesn't cut it. We've got to be empowered. So, Ephesians 6 empowers us to live a life still standing. Ephesians 6 now, 13 through to 18. Therefore, put on. So therefore, comes after. There's powers, there's principalities, there's rulers, there's spirits that are working and controlling the atmosphere of the world. So instead of going, ah, at that point you keep reading and you go, therefore, here comes the answer. Therefore, here's the answer. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You're, you will, you're not might be, not could be, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the arrows of the devil put on the salvation put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere belt of truth protects against deception and falsehood protects against deception and falsehood. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness guards against spiritual or moral corruption. Romans 4.23 And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuming that, that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
shoes of the gospel of peace. They help us stand firm and share the message of peace. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God that at work saving everyone who believes. The shield of faith, it, it defends us against doubt and fear and spiritual attacks. 1 Peter 1.13, so think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then. The helmet of salvation guards the mind against doubts and spiritual attacks on our faith. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. This is a spiritual answer for every problem. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It's an offensive weapon for fighting spiritual battles using God's truth. Again, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And then, of course, prayer. Not an item of clothing, but it's, it's a crucial weapon that connects believers to God's guidance and strength. Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Yeah. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of the things I noticed in there is that all of the armour, all of it has a word aspect. All of it has, uh, every, every piece has a, a word, as in capital W, word of God aspect to it. You know, the, this, um, the, the word of truth, the power of the word. The, reading the Bible, knowing your scriptures is not just a healthy discipline. It empowers you to fight the unseen battle. Right. Knowing the word of God empowers you with truth to stand and stand firm. You know, the devil in his kingdom, they have strategies. There's no secret to them. They've been disclosed to us in scripture. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. What's he want to do in your life? Steal, kill, and destroy. It's like it's kind of blatant there. I wonder what the devil's up today. Oh, he's probably stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what he does. John 8, 44, speaking, Jesus speaking of the devil. You know, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar. And the father of lies, a lie is the opposite to the truth. doesn't matter how subtle it is. It's still the opposite to the truth. It's going to get you off track. A lie is anything. The devil's just going to, his kingdom, they're all about lying. What's, what's their strategy? Lie. How are they going to do that? Lie. I wonder how they're going to go about that. They're going to lie. I wonder how they'll get into that person's world and screw stuff up for them. They'll lie. They'll start a rumour, they'll lie, they'll drop an untruth, whatever it is. Oh, is that true? Oh, yeah. That's a lie. But, the, you know, the old, um, uh, is it the, the, the bank tellers, they train them. This is the old days, I guess, when we used to use cash. Um, they, they train them to be able to find a counterfeit by letting them handle 
the real thing, money, the paper, all the time, so that when they picked up a counterfeit, they could feel the difference. They knew the difference straight away. And that's like us with the Word of God. When we, when we know the Word of God, when we're in the Word of God, when we know what the Scriptures say, when the light comes, you'll pick it up. But if you don't know the Word of God, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Off track a little bit. What is it, the old golf shot, eh? You get one degree off here, it's like 30, 30 metres down at the hole or something. Because you didn't pick up that it was a little off here. You think about our society, you think about our culture, you think about all the lies that, you know, probably you could go, that's reasonable, but it's a lie. It's a lie, and you can just see it outworking its... By the time it gets over here, it's just terrible. But the devil's a liar, and he works with lies. John 8, 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You've got to know his teachings to remain faithful to his teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. I think we have a major problem uh, in Christian culture in the West, in the church in New Zealand. And there is a high chance that what I'm about to say could offend some. So brace yourself for that, because I'm going to say it anyway, because it needs to be said. We've got an epidemic in that We've got families, we've got parents, we've got grandparents who just simply are not fulfilling their responsibility as godly parents and godly grandparents. Come to church once, twice, a month or less, pop the kids into a program, pop the kids into youth or whatever, and expect that their kids are going to come out with a fully formed God culture at some point. Can I tell you, if that's your attitude, you're dreaming, mate. Your dream is never going to happen. 45 minutes once every two or three weeks is not going to change anybody's culture. Your kids and your grandchildren are going to be the product of your home. They're going to adopt the culture of your home. And if your home is somewhere where you wrestle with the things of God and you talk about the things of God and you value the word of God and you value worship and, and, and you put ingrain that in your kids at home, the church will add to that and it will help strengthen that. And it gives them a basis to be able to build on for that. But if it's not happening at home, there isn't a hope. That's too strong. There's always hope. Forgive me. It is unlikely that your kids are going to develop a strong faith by turning up once every two or three weeks or less into a program. It's just not going to happen. It makes no sense. I can't even get my head around the fact that why that could be logically make sense. It's, it's not going to happen. These grandparents 
If you're a grandparent, please don't check out on your grandkids. It's a very time to invest into your grandkids. Not only investing like, like knowledge and stuff, but faith. We're talking about eternity and stuff here. It's big issues. We're talking about faith. Because how many of you know you can put all the right stuff in someone and they're still going to make some weird decisions? Hey, that's called humanity. That happens. But the game's never over until it's over. And I don't know when it's over. So, so we've got to make sure we put them in. Last night I got to, got to sit in, in with my, my little grandbabies, my granddaughters. And it was so cool. And I just got to sit there and I got to be with them. And, and, and I'm thinking, I can just sit there and look at them and I can be praying for them. And I'm thinking, wow, when you guys can talk, they're, brand, they're granddaughters, eh? They probably never stop talking once they can talk. Uh, they, they, once they can talk, we can have these, and, and I can input into them. But, but so many grandparents just check out. It's, it's like, oh, I, did, I did my time. I did my time, I went to church, I raised the kids, got the kids, and now the kids have got kids, but the grandparents are checked out. No, no, this is probably your most influential time. And they're watching. They are watching. You're setting models. You're setting uh, boundaries. You're setting patterns. And by the fact that you're setting them, you're saying they're okay. Parents. You know, come to church once. If you're here, great, fantastic. I'm not beating you up, but I'm just speaking honestly, okay? Because the problem is people come to me and they go, oh, oh, you know, my kid's doing this or that or the other thing. And I go, yeah, well, we've seen you at church three times this year and you're trying to make it my problem? It's not my problem, it's your problem. Be a godly parent, for goodness sake. It's what you, you know, it's part of being a disciple of Jesus. I'm not going to have your problem. I've got enough of my own. Alfred, man, he's worked to the bone. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to put into our families. Your, your, fam, your family is your greatest priority. Your family is more important than your work. Your, your family is more important than your hobbies. It's more important than holidays, socialising or any other thing. Your, your family is at the top. And, and here's the thing, is, is you... We, we understand the consequences. The, the thought of my children or my grandchildren not having instilled in them what they need to be able to choose Jesus and walk closely with Jesus horrifies me. Horrifies me. We sing songs some days in church and I go, I don't like this song. And then I go, oh, that's right, it's not for me. <laughs> Firstly, it's for Jesus. Secondly, I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, uh, older. And, and I know like the under 30s like this and the under 15s like this. And if they connect with it and it connects them to Jesus, I really couldn't care less whether I liked it or not. I couldn't care less whether the music's too loud for me or not. I couldn't care less about a lot of those things. I just come back to the cross. What's the cross? It's about people. What's God about? He's about people. What's our job to do? It's try to present God in a way that they can connect with, that they, people, can connect with him. Yeah. And, and so I'll just suck it up. I don't like the, I love the color green. I couldn't care whether you like it or not. It's a supernatural color. It's great. It helps people connect with Jesus. 
Hey, it does. You hear what I'm saying though, hey? Can you hear my heart on it? I'm not being legalistic. I'm not being grumpy. I'm not being any of those things. I'm just saying, come on. Come on, step up. Step up as grandparents. Step up as parents. Let's do what it takes to give our generations coming through the very best chance. The very best chance. We heard a message at, um, at X Regional Gathering recently by... Um, Pastor Peter Prothero was fantastic. He spoke from Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. He said, using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. It's good, eh? Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. This series is all about sharpening the blade. Because the deal is, when you go through life, as a disciple of Jesus, you are an axe. Just get that straight. You are an axe. You're a good axe. You're an axe that gets used. And, and when you go, I was cutting some wood yesterday, you know, after a while the blade just gets a little bit blunt and it starts to, it takes longer and it's harder and all those kind of things to cut. When the, when the blade is sharp, it works better. Yeah. I know that's rocket science right there. When the blade is sharp, it works better. I've got a really sharp knife actually and I sliced it through my finger the other day and I thought, yeah, sharp blades are quite effective. And, and so, uh, and it bled heaps. And so, this series is all about keeping the, the blade sharp. Don't be naive. Don't, be, uh, don't just pretend it doesn't exist. No, no, it does. The spiritual world does. Yeah. It exists. It's real. We do have an adversary. He's been beat. We know the end of the story, but he's going to try and confuse and disrupt yours and my life all he can all the way through. Well, at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I want to be standing firm. I might be a bit second-hand, have a few bruises, a few dents, maybe a few screws in my wrist, but I'm still going to be standing... Too soon for that one? <laughs> I'm going to be standing firm. Hey, I'm going to be standing firm. That's my goal. Stand firm. Stand firm. And I think this series is really, really going to help us to do that. So I want to finish this morning. I want to pray for revelation of where we're not standing in truth. You know, it, it might be way off. It might be a little bit off. But that God would shine his light on that for us as individuals and just sort of like, tap us on the shoulder. Sheridan, you got this one a bit wrong. Because we'll talk about this on, the, on other weeks, but the consequence of not standing in truth is that we open doors in our lives to spiritual powers we don't want doors open to. And that's the way it works. So we want to be standing in truth. Therefore, the schemes of the devil are exposed. That he's a liar that are dark powers. Can I invite you to stand with me? I want to pray for all of us for that this morning and then. We'll go from there. Father, I thank you that we can, uh, and we can talk about these things. Whether we're in the room, whether we're online, I thank you that you are present with us amongst us and that truth really matters to you. I thank you that when you set us free, you set us free indeed. Yeah. And Lord, I pray that this series where we're taking time to look at these things that aren't truth or where we may have got things a bit wrong, I thank you that your agenda is to set people free. And I pray that 
your church, every one of us will be able to say, I am free and free indeed. Father, as we go on the journey, I ask that you protect, protect our hearts, you protect our minds, you protect us physically. You'd release ministering angels. Father, to fight battles on our behalf, that your church would be free. Lord, I ask even in this moment that you would start to release revelation for every person of where perhaps naively we've aligned ourselves with untruth. Where perhaps we've had our head in the sands and ignored some stuff that is a reality that needs to be dealt with. for every person just as you do Holy Spirit that you'd move through the aisles through the rows on the lounges and the wherever people are watching and you bring revelation that aha moment capture the thought don't don't, don't let the thought come and go capture the thought let God speak to you just capture it and Father as we have the plans, the schemes of the devil exposed, freedom will come. We repent, Lord. As in, forgive us for believing mistruth. Forgive us for living our lives in such a way that we've opened doors to spiritual influences that should have never been opened. And we repent. Help us walk a different way. Help us walk in your truth. Help us walk in your grace and your love and your mercy. Help us come back to your word and know the truth. We'll be set free. That today, that tomorrow, that the weeks ahead would be significant weeks of freedom for your church I pray in Jesus name Holy Spirit stir us and make us aware of your truth where there's a lie that we're building on a lie speak to us clearly please make us aware of those things I thank you in Jesus name There'll be some in the room and you, you'll, you'll be feeling like you're really in the thick of the battle and you've tried all sorts of things and it hasn't got better. You know, I think one of the ways often to work out with something spiritual is you've tried everything in the natural and it still doesn't change. Yeah, okay, perhaps there's a bit more to this. If you haven't discerned it before that point, maybe there's a bit more. Maybe this is a spiritual issue, not a physical issue. And it would be great if we could stand with you and stand together in authority and just basically break the power of those things off your life, off your world. And I want to encourage you at the end as we, as we start to come to a conclude, conclusion that you come to the front. Now if that's you, if you're in the thick of it, you're battling, you don't quite know what to do, come down the front, allow someone to stand with you. Let's pray together. Let's just break some stuff in the power of the name of Jesus and step into freedom.